Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallagher, and we talked about it. The Knicks just have to hold steady, hold on to that fifth seed, get into the playoffs, not develop bad habits, not not lose their edge, and two losses in a row. Now, the Timberwolves loss, listen. Torian Prince doesn't miss a shot. He goes, what, eight for eight for three? I mean, you can't. You just, when when teams come out shooting like that, it's just, it's going to be hard to win. It's going to be hard to win. I'm going to get into one of the other factors in that loss. Listen, let's give Julius Randle credit for the game. He had an incredible performance. 57 points in that game, an efficient effort. You kind of saw if he had kind of stayed, the course earlier in the game, it really did look like he was going to have 50. 57 down the stretch wasn't necessarily the most efficient or effective, but I'm not putting all of that loss on him. I see a lot of Nick fans are trying to 57 points. He's not going to make every play. He's the only reason why Knicks are still in that game. So leave Julius right now. He had a big turnover at the end of the game. That was a foul. The last two-minute report said that was a foul. The last two-minute report said that the McDaniels foul, blocking foul, he got on Brunson down the stretch of that game was also an offensive foul. So the Knicks didn't get any breaks down the stretch of that game, but I give nothing but credit to Julius Randle for keeping the Knicks in that game and having an outstanding, outstanding night. And when he scored 50, he got real mixy at the top of the key. Usually when you see Julius Randle get mixy, he loses the dribble, right? But this time it was tight. He was up there like Kyrie, in and out between the legs, behind the back, step back three. Iconic 50-point shot right there. Give him, give him credit, but it was in a loss, so it was bittersweet. You didn't want to see the Knicks lose that game. But it's kind of like the perfect Randall situation, right? Where you can have a great game and then not make the plays down the stretch and the Knicks lose. <laughs> and and one of the plays that decide the game is you turning the ball over. It's it's kind of Shakespearean when it comes to Julius Randle and I I don't want him to have that dark cloud hanging over his head. He's one of the leaders in turnovers down the stretch of games. Uh, a lot of that is his own doing. Sometimes it's just not, you know, plays just aren't working out for him. A lot of times it's his own doing. I don't put that last turnover on him, frankly. But, you know, he does make bad decisions down the stretch for various reasons. And they're very frustrating to see because he doesn't make the easy play. It's like he he predetermines what he wants to do. And when the defense takes it away, it's almost like he's not prepared for the next move. Like There's no... Oh, they took that away, so now I do this because I'm playing instinctively. When you play instinctively, when you have the game, your your counters, they instinctively activate in your head. Oh, here comes a double. Let me look for this next move, next pass. Oh, you took away my left hand. I got the counter for that. When you've already determined that you're going to do this, that, and the other, and then they take it away, and it's like, mm, uh, well, let me try to figure it out now what I should do. Nah, it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way, and I think he goes into these situations like that. 
it goes to these situations like this is the move I want I want to make, and when they take that away, he doesn't exactly know what to do. And sometimes when a double team comes, it, it he's he should be used to the double team by now. But sometimes it looks like it surprises him when it comes. He doesn't always make the easy read. He tries to make the read that's more difficult. And he tries to he, sometimes he throws anticipatory passes where he wants a guy to be in a particular spot. So he tries to lead him to that spot. And sometimes that guy is supposed to be in that spot. But when you aren't consistently making that play, then you can't expect your teammates to consistently make the right read, the read that you want them to make. Because you're not consistently making the pass. So it's uh, it's like... So it's gotten a little bit uncomfortable. Or I shouldn't say gotten. It's been uncomfortable if you if you're the Knicks down the stretch when you know Julius is the hot hand and the ball's got to go through Julius because Julius is the hot hand because he's not always going to make the play. And sometimes sometimes you have to spoon feed Julius and say, okay, we need you to post up here. You're you're the hot hand. Okay, cool. We need you to post up here. We need you to get this mismatch and post up here and make the right play. As opposed to, okay, we're just going to leave you. We're going to give you the ball at the top of the key and you figure it out. Like, no, 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 no. Get him in the post. Get him closer to the basket. That way, whatever off-balance play he decides to make, he has a better chance of making it because it's around the rim and is not closer to the three-point line where he's going to force up a shot or closer to the deep mid-range where he's going to force up. He took a shot against Bam. I don't think it was necessarily down the stretch in the Miami game, but it was a close game. It, it, like a fadeaway over Bam. Like, what are you doing? Who takes fade, Who takes a deep fadeaway over Bam out of bio? Like, you didn't even give him any kind of deception on the move. It was just, I'm going to take this deep. And he had to throw up a high arcer and everything. It's like, that's like a cutesy shot. And I think Randall gets, again, he gets into that place where he's not playing the game that's in front of him. He's, he's, he's either trying to prove something or he's, like I said, he's already decided what he wants to do. It's, it's, it's almost like I've played with people like that. It's like you're not actually playing the game that's in front of you. You want to do certain things and you're just going to be stubborn about doing it. And when Randall gets out of that, it's almost like, remember that game? What was that game where he started the game 0 for 8 from 3 or something like that? <laughs> I think it was Boston. And when you listen to him talk about it, he likes to start the game off shooting threes. Okay. But you're not making them. So let's let's do something else. Let's do something else. Let's not, let's not keep taking this three that you cannot make. All right? Let's try something else. And then what ended up happening is for the rest of the game, he was a little skittish when it came to the jump shot, right? So he wasn't really playing the game that was in front of him. He's it's like the, his mind gets in the way. Is is too much too much going on in his head, and that speaks to where he's been the last stretch of games. And it hasn't been obviously it hasn't been a bunch of bad games. I think he's managed this very well, but. I shouldn't say very well, but in terms of his performance on the court, it has not suffered too greatly in terms of his efficiency. But you've seen Randall devolve a little bit into that player he was last year, where he's getting frustrated with his teammates. He's getting overly frustrated with the officials. He's pouting on the court. There was a play where he didn't get back on defense and 
if he had gotten back on defense, he might have been able to make a play, kind of like in that Utah game where he got back and got the big block that kept the Knicks in the game when the Knicks played Utah early in the season. He just decided not to run back. And the way the play turned out, if he had run back, he might have been able to get get a stop. You know, it was a close game. These are the things, these are the things that your team can't afford you not to do because you're mad and you're frustrated, what have you. And the referees were terrible. They were not good in that game. I felt like I felt like Jimmy Butler, first of all, Jimmy Butler always gets the whistle, but I felt like whatever contact Miami was able to garner, they got a whistle, whereas the Knicks weren't. They weren't getting a whistle at all. Uh, so I don't typically put a whole lot of losses on the referees, and I still don't put it on the referees, but it is a little bit, when you're on the road and you're not getting calls, and the team is hot from the outside, you're just not going to win that game. And this Miami loss, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't like some of the habit. Again, this is about habit forming over the next group of games. I don't like some of the things we saw in that game. Jalen Brunson had a bunch of turnovers in that game. He wasn't quite as... Jalen Brunson being dominant gives the Knicks an advantage. Him being dominant and efficient gives the Knicks an incredible advantage. Because in order to stop him, he usually opens up other things and teams usually don't find ways to actually stop him. So it's almost like you know that if Jalen Brunson gets an opportunity that the Knicks are likely to score every time down. So you have to jump through hoops to stop Jalen Brunson. And when teams typically have to do that, the Knicks are able to find good shots. Miami didn't have to jump through hoops to stop Jalen Brunson last night. They only had to do some very, very, very simple things, and that put the ball in the in the hands of other players who did not necessarily all play well. Uh, and I'll start with quickly, who didn't play didn't, didn't play well in the in the Timberwolves game either. And it speaks to it speaks to. And I'm not gonna say a bigger issue. Everybody's allowed to have some bad games. How quickly he's been excellent for most of the season since December. But it speaks to a lot of the talk about quickly and what quickly should have, should have been all these years. He's been here all these years, meaning this is his third season. But what quickly it should have been, and he should have been playing, and he should have been doing this, should have been doing that, and Thibodeau this and Thibodeau that when it comes to quickly, like he was holding him back. Quickly isn't always the quickly that you saw in that Boston game. He's not always that guy. And when he's not that guy, it severely severely hampers the Knicks team. Yeah, that's how important he is. He's not he's not like Grimes right now, where Grimes can have a disappearing act in the game and the Knicks can still potentially win the game. The Knicks cannot really, they cannot push past teams without quickly being effective in that second unit. And when he's not really ultra effective in that second unit, the Knicks can, can literally be in a situation where they fall into the negative and have to rely on the starters to build a big enough lead, which typically doesn't happen, that the second unit can maintain until the starters get back in the game. What was happening in this little stretch of game since Josh Hart came to the Knicks is quickly was playing, had already been playing well, and then you add Josh Hart to the mix, not to mention Hart and Stanton started playing better and everything too, but you add those two guys, you add heart to the mix and, and, and with an effective quickly, that second unit is beating up on teams. If the, if the first unit fell behind, a lot of times they come back. 
If the first unit was playing well, a lot of times the first unit just plays even with guys. And then that second unit comes and it gives a little bit of a cushion. Because quickly has been that effective since December. If quickly is not that effective, then the Knicks are not getting much from that second. You're not getting enough from that second unit. Josh Hart is not going to carry the team offensively. It needs to be a combination of quickly and RJ and Josh Hart and Hardenstein getting offensive rebounds, et cetera, and Toppin making his shots. Quickly not playing well. He's not making his shots. He's not creating opportunities for other people. He's doing silly things. In the Timberwolf game, he did a couple of silly things when he was in the game. And that's why RJ was in the game down the stretch. And again, this speaks to a lot of larger issues, a lot of larger conversations the Knicks fans have been having. Thibodeau is going to play the people who he believes is going to help him win that night. And quickly didn't necessarily play well in that Timberwolves game. So he did not play down the stretch. Now, you could argue that he should have been, no matter what. Just put him in the game. But RJ, RJ played a little bit better in the mind of Thibodeau, so he played him. You can't fault the coach for that. You can't fault the coach for that. That's, that's, that's a fairness. That's a fairness that Obi Toppin has not been privy to since he's been here. But everyone else pretty much has. Okay? Quickly has earned his time down, down the stretch of games. I told you a couple shows ago. R.J. Barrett not playing down the stretch isn't just about Josh Hart. It's about Quickly. And if Quickly's not playing well, he's going to sit down just like everybody else is going to sit down. And maybe that's a good idea. Maybe it's not. But that's fair. And we've seen a few up and down games ever since that Boston game with Quickly. And I'm not sure a lot of people are going to put that on the minutes police saying he played too many minutes and that's why he's struggling. The same thing with Randall. Randall seems to be huffing and puffing a whole lot down the stretch of these games or during these games. And in the third quarter of the Timberwolves game, when he was hot and he was getting to that 50-point mark, he was most certainly huffing and puffing. And there's a lot of criticism saying that he should have been taken out of the game. But then if they took him out while he was hot, then there would have been criticism about taking him out of the game while he was hot, while he was trying to get 50. So you can't you can't have it both ways. He had his little break, I would argue, in that Timberwolves game, that Thibodeau did not let Obi cook a little bit longer. He should have let should have let Julius sit on a bench a little bit longer. Obi did not get a couple re- defensive rebounds in a sequence. It was a sequence where a shot went up and the rebound kind of he didn't really react very well to the rebound. The man he should have been boxing out got that rebound. And right after that play, he got pulled. And I thought that was a little bit too early based on how Randall, how tired Randall was in that third quarter. I would definitely definitely offer that criticism. He definitely pulls OB a little too quick when he doesn't make the right play. It's just simple as that. Ain't no way to argue. I don't know if anybody would argue with me about that. <laughs> he pulls him too quick. Now, sometimes OB is goofy out there, let's be honest, but... You've seen a lot of goofy plays from Obi Toppin. I don't know the last handful of games. You've seen a lot of missed dunks, fumbling the ball, out of bounds, open breaks, uh, open fat, open uh, breakaways, fumbling the ball out of bounds. You've seen a lot of silliness from him. I don't know what it's about. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence. I don't know how how to read it. I just don't like it. 
I just don't like it. And you know he's just going to play less minutes in the playoffs. And it doesn't seem like Randall has a stamina anymore. And, and Randall plays very, very hard. You got to give him a lot of credit. He plays very well, not all the time. He doesn't he doesn't make all the effort plays, but he plays very hard. He plays very physical. And if he's looking that fatigued in the third quarter of a game, you might have to roll the dice with an OB top in a little bit longer. But the problem is quickly has to be playing well. And he wasn't he didn't play well in these last couple of games. And Knicks are just not gonna win if he doesn't play well. The Knicks' advantage is is quickly. It's Hart. It's Brunson. That's their advantage. All right? Let me try to explain that better. R.J. Barrett is variable. Randall's been awesome all year. You're pretty much going to get a similar Randall, good and bad, every single night. And it's not necessarily going to be what, what turns the tides when it comes to wins and losses. All right? I know it's a weird thing to say, but... You saw it the other day. Randall could score 57 points and the Knicks could lose because of how Randall scores his points, right? Jalen Brunson, on the other hand, Jalen Brunson, because of how he scores his points, it gives the Knicks an incredible advantage because he's always at the front of the rim, right? See, that's the difference between Randall and Brunson is that Randall shoots a lot of threes, a lot of four shots, a lot of isolation, it's a lot of isolation, mid-range. It's a lot of, can I beat my man or not? Whereas Brunson is getting constantly in the teeth of the defense, in the middle of the, in the middle of the lane, and he's scoring efficiently, or he's getting to the free throw line, and that creates advantages for the team. Teams start shrinking the court, trying to stop him from getting into the middle of the paint. The difference with Randall, when Randall gets his double teams, Randall's not always in the middle of the paint when he's scoring. Him getting double teams obviously helps the team if he makes the right plays, if he makes the right pass, and then obviously the right people get the ball in the right spots, and and obviously opportunities are created. But when you're in the teeth of the defense all the time, the way Brunson is, you're either getting fouled or you're scoring. Teams have to collapsed the court, and now the ball is being sprayed out from the middle of the court to open players. Or, for the most part with Brunson, a lot of times it doesn't even get that far because teams don't react quickly enough to his penetration, and he just scores. He just scores or he gets fouled. All right, and that makes that makes the primary defenders less aggressive defensively because they, they are collecting too many fouls and they want to put them on a free throw line. And it gives Brunson the exact shot he wants, which he's very efficient at making. So a lot of times that ball doesn't even get sprayed out because it's a, almost almost a guaranteed score against if you go throughout the season. It hasn't been the case the last couple of games. To have that is an incredible advantage for the team, right? That's the difference maker down the stretch. That's why he's one of the most clutch players in the league. And that's why the Knicks are where they are record-wise because Brunson has been that clutch player down the stretch, getting that good shot down the stretch in the paint, in the teeth of the defense all season long. That's what tips the scales for wins and losses for the Knicks. Quickly coming in since December, 
You go back and look at the Knicks' record since December, it's off the charts, one of the best teams in the league. That's a lot to do with the fact that Quickly has been head and shoulders better offensively than he was earlier in the year. He creates an incredible advantage in that second unit when he's playing well. And he creates an advantage when he plays with Brunson. Sometimes he plays with the starters, as, as we've noted. His defense, his shooting, everything, his, his playmaking off the ball has been incredibly efficient and has been an incredible advantage to the Knicks. He tips the scales for the Knicks when he's playing well. Take those things away, and the Knicks are spinning their wheels a lot of these nights. And he saw this a little bit with the Timberwolves, but Brunson wasn't great. Brunson's numbers look good against Miami, but he was not great. He, he had a lot of turnovers. He never really established himself. He got hunted on defense. That's a whole other conversation we're about to have. But because the Knicks could not find efficiency offensively, and obviously they couldn't stop Miami on the end of the floor, they couldn't get quickly uh, to play consistently, they couldn't keep Randall didn't have a big game last night, and he flipped his wig. He was acting like a, a nutbag. You're not winning that game. And still, as it's still, what, they lost by seven, six, seven? Against a team that they've beaten a couple times this year when that team was in desperation mode trying to win, and they're still in desperation mode, mode trying to win. The loss itself doesn't bother me, but how they lost the game does a little bit because it's, I don't know if these are trends that are forming. If, if the Knicks are not going to have an effective quickly, if they're not going to have the quickly they've had all year, you can forget it. If Randall does not understand that you don't want to consistently shoot fadeaways against Van Adebayo, the Knicks are screwed. If Brunson doesn't know how to navigate the blitzing of the pick and roll, which he's been seeing more and more and more of, and get the Knicks good shots out of it, forget it. Now, they'll still probably maintain this fifth seed. They got Orlando tonight. Orlando is very capable of beating anybody. A loss to Orlando tonight would be a little concerning. I told you the fourth seed was probably out of range for the Knicks at this point anyway. But a loss to Orlando would be a little bit concerning. The Knicks need to win this game tonight. They have to win this game tonight. Okay, it's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got to get yourself right. Got to get yourself a little bit of a cushion based on where you are in the standings. You don't want to fall out of that fifth seed. I don't think that they will. But a loss to Orlando definitely puts that in jeopardy with these two losses. If the Knicks had just split these two games, I think that would have been fine. But to lose both, you go into Orlando, you can't afford to lose. You just can't afford to lose. You cannot. Let's talk about how Brunson has been hunted defensively more than usual. I don't think, and this is, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I know a lot of people probably disagree with me. I don't think Brunson is as bad a defensive player as people think he is. I think, one, the Knicks know that they're better off putting Grimes or quickly on the point of attack. For the other team. The point guard who's doing primary screen and roll all the time. The Knicks are just better off having one of those two guys on that. Right? I don't think that Brunson is necessarily the worst guard in the league. Defend- or one of the worst guards in the league defending it. And the numbers don't support this. 
I don't think he gets he's not he's not on the point of attack very often. So the sample size for it is going to be relatively small. He's a smaller player, but he's a stronger player. He gets a lot of offensive fouls when players try to screen him. He gets a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, of, a lot of moving screen calls because of how he tries to navigate it. I Clearly, because he's smaller, his contests don't bother the opposition. They just don't. All right? But I don't think that he is terrible. I think his effort is there. I think his body is there. The problem is when you give an NBA player the green light to try to go at somebody, they're going to get scored on more often than not. They just are. You put the right player against quickly and you say score on him, and they're going to score on him because quickly is also a smaller guard. You put a guy with enough size and you say go at Emmanuel quickly. And he's going to get some buckets put on his head. Now, you try to use screens to go at Emmanuel quickly, maybe not. But just 1v1, he's not covering everybody in the NBA 1v1 at his size. Last night, Gabe Benson went right at Jalen Brunson. I'm I'm not torn up about it. I'm just I'm just not. I don't know if that's going to be the bread and butter for every team. Like just ISO and Jalen Brunson. I, you don't see it that often. Gabe, Gabe Benson came out ultra aggressive. I think it kind of catches you by surprise when you see a guy who's not necessarily aggressive offensively coming out aggressive offensively. He made some tough shots. He made shots that he didn't typically, typically make. If I see the next Miami game and I see Jalen Brunson's not ready for Gabe Benson, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll back off a little bit. In the Timberwolves game, they had Brunson guarding Jaden McDaniels. The biggest play of the game when Jaden McDaniels went at Brunson was really an offensive foul that wasn't called. That's good defense. I think I'm not saying that Brunson's playing good defense. It's just that as long as he stays in front of his man, I think the Knicks will be okay. I don't know if the Knicks lose because guys are consistently trying to 1v1 Jalen Brunson and having to take pull-up mid-range jump shots the way Gabe Benson did mostly last night. I think that the biggest issue with Brunson is when he contests, and this happened with Gabe Vincent last night too, when he contests outside jump shots. And he's rotating, and he rotates to shooters, and he has to contest to jumper. His contests don't matter. I think that's the biggest issue with Brunson. I don't think I don't think it's being targeted. I don't think it's a screen and roll defense. Again, I might be in a minority there. I think it's about when he is in position and he's got his hand up on a guy shooting, it doesn't make a difference. And there's not much you're going to be able to do about it. And you know what? He's not the only small guard in the league. He's not the only. Tyrese Maxey's out there. Philadelphia is a championship contending team, right? Right? Everyone thinks they have a chance to win a championship, right? Well, Tyrese Maxey's a big part of that. And Tyrese Maxey don't guard nobody. James Harden don't guard nobody. Okay? So... If that's, I don't think that's going to be, I'm sure there are going to be plays made on Jalen Brunson and it might decide a game here or there, but that's not the fatal floor for the New York Knicks. If the Knicks are going to have, if they're going to maximize their potential as a team, it's going to be because quickly is sharper. I'm not even going to mention Randall and RJ. 
and Brunson is at the top of his game. Those two guys play well. Everybody else can have their ups and downs, but they will have a chance to win the game. If those two guys are not their best, their best selves, and throw Josh Hart in that mix too, since he's such an X factor, the Knicks are going to struggle against pretty much everybody in the team. I'm sorry, everybody in the league. Everybody. Because their advantage is is Brunson's efficiency and IQ's efficiency coming off the bench and then having both of those guys on the floor sometimes. And then now with Josh Hart playing the way he is. Everybody else has to do their job too, but everybody else is going to have their ups and downs and they'll be able to survive it. They cannot survive those two guys not playing well. And you can make an argument that that's true for Randall too since Randall's had an efficient year. But I think... I think where the Knicks struggle the most with Randall is when they need to depend on Randall down the stretch of games because he had a good game. So now it's Randall's turn to have the ball in the clutch. I think that's where they all struggle most with Randall. They can deal with Randall's ups and downs the way he's playing this year. His ups have been really up and his downs haven't been that down. But they've been really down down the stretch of games. So I think those are the key components. This game over against Orlando is a pretty good one. Mikel Fultz has played very well. If Brunson Brunson might get targeted by Fultz, Fultz is the type that's going to target you even without screens. And that's something that you don't see a lot, that much anymore from the point guard position. Fultz might target Brunson without the screens. And I think that might be an issue. So I don't, I don't even know if Brunson is going to be on him in this game. I think it'd be smart not to. But I'm looking forward to this game, kind of, because you want the Knicks to, you know, get get a win in the column just to feel comfortable about where they are in the standings. But this is this is not even a trap game. This is just this is one of them pain in the ass games. There's no easy wins no more in the, in this league. Even Houston's beating people. So Knicks got to straighten it on out. Anyway, don't forget to check out SportsEthos.com at SportsEthos on Twitter at EthosKnicks. Until next time.